Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. So, we, we, so we're going to be starting off, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, verses uh, 1 through 21 today. Um, we had a little technical difficulty, so verses 15 through 21, as I'm preaching, won't come up on the screen. So if you want to check it out on your cell phones or get in the Bible with that, we can roll with that. Um, so last week, or the name of our um, sermon, we were in Ephesians 4 last week, and the text was, um, the sermon was called Build or Destroy. And it basically was Paul, um, he, he's, he's pushing on this idea of us stepping up into maturity. And he's talking to um, believers, and he's, I mean, he's even dealing with some really um, um, blatant sins and things of that nature or whatever, but he's still referring to them as saints, but he's calling them into a place of maturity, right? And he's saying, you know, as believers, as saints, this is how we roll. He's giving them the, 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 the parameters of how we as a people group believe. If we're a royal priesthood and we're a nation unto our own and we, and we, and we serve God, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, he's saying this is how we roll, this is how we live, this is how we function. So he's walking them through that and he urges them, he said, yo, put off your old self, put on your new self, right? And he's saying, like, listen, step into this maturity. This is it. So that's kind of what he, he, he was hitting on. And I titled it Build or Destroy last week because he, he, was, he was talking about the way we use our mouth and even corrupt talk. And he's saying, like, are the way, is the way you function, and is it fruitless in the sense that you're tearing people down? And, and he puts you in a position, and when you're reading it, where you kind of, you have to take stock as you're listening to it. And so you have to take stock, and when you take stock, you either fall on the side where you're either building the church or you're actually destroying one or the other. And so that's the kind of place he pushes you into, but of course he points to Jesus Christ. So it's not that he's trying to shame you, but he's trying to get you in a place where you're like, you have to look in the mirror and deal what's really going on there, right? So now we're in Ephesians 5, right? And uh, the name of this, this, this uh, text is, is called Imitators, right? And because he's calling us to be imitators of of God. And we could pretty much say that it goes more so into the build or destroy concept as well. But um, this one is going to get way sharper um, as far as just what it actually. Look at that picture up there. I haven't even seen that yet. That's a T-shirt right there. Two or three of some of my favorite people right there, you know. All right. So but. The text is amazing. Y'all got to forgive me if I move a little slow or whatever. I feel a little voices acting a little funny and all that on me. But um, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about this text. But I think this is Ephesians 5, 122 is probably one of the, I would say the hardest text I've rolled up on as a minister yet that put me in a really crazy place to try to wrap my hands on it. And, and one of the reasons it, it, it did that is because, um, number one, I found myself in a place where I had to look at it and I had to repent. And, it was, and it's one of those things where it's like almost scary because it gives you some blatant imperatives and it also gives you some blatant things where it's like, if you do this, this, and this, you are not going, the kingdom of heaven is not for you. Anytime I see texts like that, I'm like, man, I'm going to read another verse real quick, all right? But I got to preach this this Sunday, so there's no way to get around it. And, and, and the scripture didn't come, like I, I was wrestling with it throughout the week, but it didn't hit me until it fell on top of me and I found myself in front of it crying and really repenting to God, right? 
And, and, and one of the things that got me in it and I felt was the decoder of the scripture that allowed me to be able to preach it was when I got a, the understanding of God being my father and the feeling you feel when you as a son heard a loving father. Does anybody understand that? Like, you know, like if you, if you can, if you have just any situations in life where you knew that you hurt your parents deeply, like that kind of disappointment. Um, and that was necessary for me to go into the scripture. And I'm going to spend a little time here in this, in this zone or whatever for a couple of reasons. So um, that was necessary for me because the scripture is so sharp. It gets into sexual sin. It gets into covetousness and idolatry and everything else. And as I dug through those words and the definitions, I found some of the stuff on my doorstep. And I was like, oh, my God. But you know how when you play checkers? You know how when you play checkers, you like... You know, when you make a move, you're like, crap, I'm going to make this move right here. But homie's about to double jump me and get the king on me real quick. Because we play dirty where you could like jump all over the whole board, back jump and all that. I don't do like that. Only front jumps. I'd be like, nah, man, if you set up, homie, I'm taking your whole team out. Gung, 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 boom. King me. You know what I'm saying? But it's like when you're playing checkers, you're kind of in that place where you're like, dad, if I make this move right here, I'm going to get jumped. I already know with this text right here, I already know what Satan's about to do. As soon as we get into it, you're going to be sitting in your seat and the enemy's going to try to come and put shame on you, right? That's what he's going to do. So I want to expose him from the jump and I want to expose him real big. And this is why I'm kind of spending this time here. I want to expose him big. Enemy's going to try to put shame on you. That is not God's intent with the scripture we're about to go into, right? He's a father. Like in verse 5, excuse me, in chapter 5, verse 1, it starts off like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, Right? Let me tell you what beloved means. Before he gets into hard stuff, let's, let me tell you what this means. It says, it means you're dearly loved. It says, darling, dear, dearest, precious, adored, much loved, cherished, treasured, prized, highly regarded, admired, esteemed, revered, venerated. All right? So I want you to I want, you to, I want you to take that in real heavy, right? Because I want you, as you're hearing this scripture, remember that this is God's posture as he's delivering this message to you, that that's how he sees you, as his beloved child, right? And I want you to, and as you begin to think through stuff as it's hitting you, I want you to think about it in the sense of a father-son or a father-daughter relationship, right? And, and, and you know, it's funny, right? Whenever we read in the scriptures, we get really thrown off when we see, see imperatives. Like when we see certain things like, don't do this. We're like, oh, I don't know. This messes with grace. I don't know what to do with this and all this other stuff. But, you know, it's funny. As earthly parents and us being fallible, none of us have a problem shouting imperatives as our, at our kids, right? We don't have a problem with it at all. I tell my kids all the time, hey, yo, don't do that, bro. And I'm not playing about it. I'm like, don't do that. Don't talk to your sister like that. Don't do that. Because I'm fully aware how it corrupts the culture of our household if they think that they can mistreat their sister or the sister thinks they can mistreat their brother, right? I'm fully, I fully get it, right? I fully get that when I say, hey, don't hang with this kid at school. I get it because I understand what it's going to do for their future. I can look up the room like, I already know how this plays out. I'm older than you. I've been there, right? When I was a kid, people used to say, yo, Jay, 
don't roll with these fools right here, son. This is not the move to do. You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. I'm not trying to hear that. And I ended up in a whole lot of trouble. So we have no problems with imperatives. And so my thing that I would like to argue about this text is when you read it, you're going to think it's about imperatives. But I think it's more so about us not seeing the Father as the Father. I think it's more so about God the Father having a big, big problem with this, with this, with this relationship we have with him. And then not really being a father-to-child relationship. So when we hear it, all we do is we hear it like orphans, right? We hear it like orphans. And we've been through this before or whatever, where it's like, you know, the scripture says, if you love me, keep my commandments. All we hear is go keep my commandments. And the first thing we go to do is go work. We don't hear love me. So when he says go deeper in Christ, we don't lean into Christ. We, we like, oh, man, I'm guilty of that. And we lean into our work to try to be better and try to be acceptable to the Lord when he has made us acceptable through his son, Jesus. And the only way to him is Jesus. You get me? I'm just trying to filter you out before we get into it because I already know how the enemy is going to play the game or whatever, right? So we got to trust him to take care of, we got to trust him to take care of us and that he means good for us. You know, so I had a situation the other day, I was at the affair um, on Veterans Day or whatever, shout out to all the veterans in the room. And um, so I was at the fair the other day where, and uh, I had my son Zulu and he was like, he was like, yo daddy, he's like, man, I got to use the bathroom. I was like, all right, cool, let's go. So I take him over to one of the porta potty deals or whatever, right? And so, um, so I'm walking, he's just rolling with me and stuff, and I go to open the door and somebody's in there, but then the person comes out, and um, the person comes out, and I was like, all right, pardon me, whatever. And then I had the door wide open like that, and I was like, all right, Zulu, let's go. And he looks inside, and it's like, you already know what's going on at the fair, right? <laughs> they, they've been putting some serious work on this, but like, it's been, they've been, they're only there for, I think, a week at that time, but that joint, like, it's been there eight months getting hammered on, right? And so... <laughs> And, um, and, so, and so I open up the door, and he looks in, and he goes, no, no. Like, and I was like, oh, crap. I was like, all right, man. I was like, yo, I was like, yo we cool. We don't have to, have to do that, you know? So, you know, I'm like, man, you know, like I might have damaged the trust right there or whatever. But, you know, then I took him, I took him to go use the bathroom, um, like, you know, down by like some semis or something like in the back or whatever and stuff. And he was out there, you know, in the open doing his thing or whatever. And, um, and so I turned my head for a minute and then I turned back. Yo, he had like a, just a rainbow coming, like almost about to catch me in the eye. I was like, bro, man, watch you chill out with that, man. You know, so I lost the whole point there where I was going with it, but you know, um, something like that. Right. All right. So but anyway, we, we, we're going to jump into it like this right here. You're back to the point and stuff, all right? So before we go into the rest of the text, Matthew 121 says this. Um, when it speaks about the birth of Jesus, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, I, I just I, I want to put the exclamation point on just what we're talking about right here with that, with that verse because um, we need to know that Jesus came to save us from our sins, Right? He didn't come for you to save yourself from your sins. He came to save us from our sins. And whenever we hear scripture, whenever we hear the word, we should always try to posture ourselves from the understanding that we have a God and his work was to come and save people through his mercy and grace, right? 
outside of the inheritance. Like none of us have an inheritance waiting for us outside of grace and mercy, period. I don't care how good you are, how cute you are, what you do, how many people you help every day. I don't care if you serve until your hands fall off. You will not buy a spot into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus. All right, so let's, let's, let's bite on that real big, and then let's go into this next stuff that we have here or whatever, right? So I'm going to start for verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, or beloved children, however you say it, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, right? Beautiful text right there. So Christ gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, and he's calling us to walk in love and mirror him and be imitators of him in that. So he's basically saying, like, your life is not yours, right? He's saying that I'm, I'm asking you to lay down your life to walk into the things of the Father. So the faith that we put in the Father and the trust that we put in the Father is that he's a good God. So when he has imperatives, we can 100%, if we trust him and we're his, and, we, and we're his sheep and we know his voice, then we trust that when he calls us and says, hey, guys, I want you to walk over here to the left or whatever, we know to walk on the left is the best thing for us. Even if we don't get it and the right, the right looks better, we can trust that. So this is about trust and leaning into that really, really big. And he says in verse 3, and he hits him with a but really quick. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So let me break down a couple things there for you. Sexual morality is anything that stands outside of marriage between a man and a woman, or within a marriage, or, or anything that's with, even within a marriage that violates that covenant of oneness that God has called men and women into, right? So when we talk about sexual distortions, we can talk about it all day long, right? And we know what the hot topics of the day are and everything else or whatever, and I'm not going to punch on the hot topics, all right? So I'm going to just leave that open for anybody to interpret. And it's not because I'm scared to dance with them or jump inside of all of any of that stuff. But the thing is this right here. Sometimes there's a lot of, even as the, I think the church at times has done atrocities to people where we've, we've thrown the gavel at people, right? But we haven't asked any questions or loved them or find out anything like that. God's intent is not to shame people, right? He's not looking to shame people. Our sins shame us, and they leave us outside of, his, inside of, outside of this thing with him and everything else. But God is always saying, walk into the light, always. That is always, his, that is always his plan, and it always was, and he established that in Jesus Christ. But, so I just want to make that known. Next thing it says, impurity. And impurity is something that ruins the uncontaminated excuse me, ruins the uncontaminated nature of something, right? So you remember when I was just, like I said, I want you to articulate, I want you to work through this through the idea of a father and a son relationship or a father and a daughter relationship, right? So what do you tell your kids? You say stay away because you don't want it to contaminate what is for them, what's in the future, right? The father, the Bible says the father has only good things for us, only good things. Like we're stuck in this right now and he's looking all the way up the street on us, right? It's looking all the way up on the street. And it's why, it's why, because, like, in our trust and love for the Father, we can be content even when things are bad. 
even when our back is against the wall because we know that we have a good, all-powerful, all-knowing Father who, who is putting a light into our steps and our path. He knows what we need, what, what need. He knows, he knows even the tensions and frictions in life. We need to build us up for what's coming up the road. You get it? So it's this idea. He's pushing this point about trusting God, but he's talking about these impurities that are looking to contaminate what God is doing. They're at war against the holy God. You get what I'm saying? Sin, these impurities, these things. I don't, this is not the culture. As saints, this is not what I've called you to walk in. You are a new breed, right? I've, I've come by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've put this new thing on you. So take off the old and step into the new. And the new looks like this right here. These old impurities can't roll with you. That's what you used to do. So he's giving it to us raw. And then it talks about this thing. It says covetous, right? Let me tell you what that is. It says, marked by an ordinate desire for wealth or possessions or for another's possessions, having a craving for possessions or power. And so to elaborate it, elaborate on that, discontent, a lack of contentment, dissatisfaction with one's circumstances. It's possible to be truly a child of God and find discontentment even in that, right? Excuse me. It's it, it's. The enemy uses this idea of being discontent to completely handicap our steps and our movements and the way we function. All right. So covetousness, in a sense, not even in a sense, it most definitely is. And that's why it's listed with these sins is because it is idolatry at its finest. Right. So I want you to just think about your thought life for, for a second. If you're not basking in the amazing grace of God, you're usually basking in something that you want, something you think you need, something you think you have to pursue, right? It's like this, our mind never stops wanting and craving and craving and craving, and we have to bring it back to the cross so we can get the whole picture, right? So this, this spirit of covetousness is it's idolatry. It's us. It's us. It's what we want, what we want, what we want. And it completely neglects the will of the Father. And that's why he's saying this is so dangerous. This is so dangerous. And then it's the way that all of this stuff actually works together. And, I don't, and, and I, I'm not going to unpack all of the deep things of it, but there's something about where the enemy wants us to get our eyes off of God, get it on ourselves, and get us into idolatry. And that ends up panning out and looking all type of ways. There's something about the way he wants to distort our sexuality, like because it leads us away from God and we end up in all these different things, whatever that God says are impure. They contaminate what he has for us, right? And we can work it out. Last week, we talked about this idea of um, I talked to you about how I was in the bar and I was talking to the transgender guy and the, and the Muslim guy and the atheist girl and everybody and stuff. But we talked about this word futility. And there was and everybody had this argument against God, even though we unpacked Jesus, we even went as deep as the temple and 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 how the temple worked and and the and the sacrifices and the spotless lamb and how it was pointing to Jesus and we got so close to that but people had they had a god complex they were in the futility of their mind where they had a argument with god where they thought the one who made the moon and the stars they could box with him right this doesn't even make sense right i I can't even get through a conversation with J.A. How am I box with God, all right? It's bad, all right? 
I'm struggling with my kids with third grade homework. With, you know what I'm saying? How am I going to box with God or how am I going to assert myself to, and not in a place of humility before a holy God? So it's like, we, let me just keep moving. All right? But one of the things that makes me ask, one of the questions is this right here. It's like, let me just read this again. He says, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Man, so he, he says to, he, he suggests to actually replace this stuff with thanksgiving. You know, that makes me go, like, the first thing makes me go, like, why? Like, like things, like, you know, those, that's some really serious stuff you just listed. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to replace that with thanksgiving. And so I've just been kind of thinking and pondering through this or whatever and, and just thinking about, like, what is my position? Like, where am I at when I'm in a place of thankfulness, right? Last night when I went to bed last night, man, my wife was sleeping. And I was on the side of bed working on a sermon. And, man, I just really felt overwhelmingly thankful for my wife. And I tapped her and I just, I was like, yo, babe. And she was like, yo, what's, what's up? And I'm like, I was like, yeah, I just want to tell you I love you, right? That's what thankfulness looks like when, it, when I'm wearing that on me, right? When, it, when it's not like that, it's like, yo, babe, wake up. You left two dishes in the sink, yo. <laughs> two. You slipping. You slipping, all right? You know what I'm saying? That's what it looks like jerk of the freaking year, right? You slipping. You left the dishes. You know what I'm saying? One of your shoes is in your closet turned to the side. Like, I thought we was going with this uniform. Like, what are you doing? That's what it looks like, right? But when it's thankfulness, I can't, I can't kiss her enough, and I can't hug her enough, and I can't love her enough. It's like I just look to lavish her with that. And, and, and so, man, you know, I always say this, but, like, I just feel like there's these words we hear that, like, you know, like, like thankful, and we see them on Hallmark cards and everything or whatever, and they're just cute to us. But we don't realize what a sharp weapon we have like a sharp, sharp weapon that is, that is effective for tearing down strongholds, right? And so some of the things that are just chaos in their life, we're like, what's going on in our life and in our home and in our relationships? Like, thankfulness may be that thing right there that is just sufficient enough to just kill all the noise. You get what I'm saying? And so he says, replace it with thankfulness, right? Helps you give grace to others, right? But when you don't have thankfulness, it just opens the door to be a critic of everybody. It opens the door to foolish talk. It opens the door to all type of stuff. The enemy just completely like kicks that thing in. You're like a city without no walls because he's like, yeah, I'm rolling in, right? It opens the door to depression and all type of stuff because what happens with unthankfulness is we completely lose the perspective and the hope that we have when we're standing before the Lord and we see him as father who's fully capable, right? We lose that, and the, and, the, and the enemy looks to disorient, disorient us in that thing or whatever where we, that we have with the Father, right? So he wants to wipe that away because then he has an open door to us, you know, and, and, and just this whole, I can't get around how fruitless and a waste of time just foolish talk is and crude talk, Right? And, 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 man, this is one of the very things that when I was telling you, I was looking at this text and I was crying about it and I was just hurting over it. That's one of the things I was repenting of, like using my mouth and my energy and my strength for stupidness. You get what I'm saying? 
just absolute foolishness. You know, I was in Friday, I was inside of a, um, um, I was at a tattoo shop or whatever, getting a tattoo. Y'all can stone me later or whatever, but I got a tattoo. I got a bunch of them, all right? Anyway, so we're going to move on, all right? All right. So, but I was in the tattoo shop or whatever and stuff, and I remember I was just waiting or whatever, and like, I, there was these, it was these girls sitting there, and, um, and, uh, and so this, another girl walked outside, and one of the girls like said something so foul that it just grieved my heart, but she was, she was getting a tattoo, and she was like, yo, I know that girl from high school. She's like, yo, you know what? Back in the day, she had, and she starts going in, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, because it's like five or six girls like listening to her, and they're all looking at the window, out the window at this girl, and I'm just like, I just was so mad, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm also mad at myself because I'm like, man, yo, you, when you talk sideways about somebody, this is what it feels like and sounds like, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, I wanted to pick up the stone and throw it at them, but, you know, you got to hit yourself in the head with that first because I'm like, and it just hurt my heart and it grieved my heart. Some good came out of it because when I sat down to get my tattoo or whatever, the girl who I sat with or whatever, like, I was kind of just mad over that, so I was, like, not going to talk, so I was like, just do the tattoo or whatever, right? But... We ended up talking, man. I ended up started telling her, like, testimonies, even about some of y'all in the church and stuff. And, and, uh, and she was just, like, blown away. And she was like, man, can you give me a card? Like, you know, I want to come to church. And I was like, so, I don't know, God used it. But, you know, but I just really wanted to make a point about, man, foolish talk is hurtful. Um, I just want to read something to you from Spurgeon, all right? And uh, he says it like this right here. He says, all sorts of evil, frivolous Fruitless talk should be condemned by the Christian. He should feel that he lives at a nobler rate. He lives to purpose. He lives to bear fruit. And that which has no fruit about it and out of which no good can come is not for him. Makes it pretty simple, right? It says, but rather giving of thanks. Oh, for more of this giving of thanks. It should perfume the labors of the day. It should sweeten the rest of the night. This giving of thanks, we are always receiving blessings. Let us never cease to give God thanks for them. That's Spurgeon right there, right? I thought it was amazing. I think he simplified it very well. We live at a nobler rate. This is what Paul is trying to say. If I was going to wrap it up in a nutshell, right? He's saying like, man, we're saints. We've been graced and we've been blessed with this title. It's not that we don't have shameful things in our past, but God has redeemed it by shining his light on it and bringing us into this new state where we have on this, we got a whole new swagger. And he's saying like, yo, what are you doing, you know, walking how you used to walk? Like, let's step into this new thing, right? He don't even say it like that because he's not even condemning. He's just bringing them up to speed. Like, listen, listen, children of God, this is, this is how we walk. This is how we talk and this is how we move. As a culture and as a people, this is how we move forward, bearing fruit as we go forward in all that we do, right? Uh, the way we use our mouth, the way we use our time, the way we use our, use our bodies, the way we submit them to God is different than the way the world does it, all right? And that's what he's telling us. He's giving us a reminder there, right? So verse 5 says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or pure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, right? Now, 
Now, you can be sure right now the enemy's trying to whisper in people's ears right now. He's, he's looking to freeze you in yourself. And the first thing right now, when you read something like that, it's like, oh, boy. This is where the disconnect from the father relationship happens right here. Where the enemy tries to do that because you read it. Nobody has beef with their mom or their father when they say, hey, look, don't do this right here. It's bad for you. But we have a problem when we hear God tell us stuff like this right here. Right? And, 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 and that's why I said earlier, it's, it's, it's somewhat less about what's actually being said. And, a little bit, and the weight is more so on where are you at with the father? Like, are we orphans or are we really his children, right? Because if you know that you're really his children, then you, always, then you know that his thing is to lavish you with grace. And all he asks of us when we are found guilty is to step into the light and say, Lord, that's me. And it's like it all disappears. There's no need for shame. There's no need for condemnation. He's like, he says, if you, walk in, if you walk in the darkness and you say that you do not sin, you're a liar, and I have no part of you. But if you walk in the light, my son, Jesus, his blood will cleanse you and purify you. He's not tripping over the sin. He's tripping over the fact that you won't step in the light with your sin and let him begin to redeem and clean you. As a father, he's made a commitment to do what he's going to do and bring us into this, into this relationship with him and cleanse us and change our life. He does the work, though. Just ask that we walk in the light and say, God, that's me. I got some mess to confess. All right, I've been looking at the wrong thing. I've been talking the wrong way. I've been moving a couple ways that's hurtful. I kind of just started drifting a little bit. I've been hanging with. It's easy to do. Everything in our life, TV, everything we watch, everything we see is completely, utterly at war with God. It's, I, it's, 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 it's real that we would begin to slip a little bit, right? And begin to get kind of carnal with our reasonings and everything else. And that's why the scripture is here for us to keep coming back and be like, no, nah, homie, that ain't how we move. Let me, I need to do a cleanup job real quick. Let me get right. Nah, that's not what I'm called to do, right? We, we, we're called to bear fruit, right? And the father is the one who, who, um, who has the say on what good fruit is or whatever. Like this, it's something that is a wellspring that comes out of the relationship that we have with him, all right? So when it tells you, it tells you, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of men, of sons of disobedience. It's saying, don't let nobody play you for a sucker. Like, don't fall for the stuff, whatever. Just because it's so normal, just because you watch TV and you watch political debates and you watch all of this stuff and, 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 they, and everything just seems like normal, normalcy and you feel like you have to pick a side and be on something or be on this right here. He's saying, nah. We on this. Like, we're on this. Like, this is where we at. This is where we at with the king right here or whatever, right? So it's saying, don't let nobody play you for a sucker and drift you off or whatever and get you off the track with the father, right? To where, you, to where you find yourself actually at odds and at war with the father, right? That's what he's saying. Don't find yourself in a place where you're calling okay what God calls an abomination, Right. 
it's not proper for saints. That's what he's telling us in the scripture, right? All right, so let me read a little bit more. Verse 7, Tom, we got, all right. Verse 7 says this, Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but in, instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, right? What's amazing about this? I just want to read this part, this last part right here. It says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's the invitation right there. This is the, we're jumping back to the father and son thing. He's not saying, yo, dead man, I'm going to crush you, right? So first he gives us the rundown of these sins that are, that are grossly offensive before God. But then he paints a picture of like dead man arise and the light will shine on you. So we're talking about a father who is looking to redeem what is broken, right? He's looking to repair the breach and this gap that has come between us and him, right? And you got to remember, the people he's talking to, he addresses as saints. So he's not speaking to them as if they're cut off from the king. He's talking about stepping into maturity, okay? But he's giving them warning because at the end of the day, these things look to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And then he says, I want to sift you like wheat. And the enemy, like he'll, he'll, he's, you know, he's patient. He'll do whatever you got a can to cut, whatever he can to cut your throat and get you disconnected from God. And so he's giving us a very, very stiff warning. But at the same time, he's giving us that warning. He is also saying, like, yo, I'm right here. Like, freedom is right here. All you have to do is just step in the light. Just step in the light or whatever. Like, that's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Like, you know, my son died for your sins. He died for your sins. Like, I know what you did. And the thing he makes this, he distinguishes this in the beginning. He says, for one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He's really looking and pressing to establish this idea. Like, he's like, yo, you know, like, yo, I know you're out in the world and you got to move and groove and do what you got to do. But don't get it twisted. You are not the same. You are not the same. You are called for a completely different purpose, and I need you to understand that, and I need you to wake up and lean into that every day. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to be standing in some of the same situations and the same dynamics you function every day, but you need to understand that you're on a, you're on a, you're on a, you're on a secret mission. You're on your born identity mission. You're, like, you're in there like, Yo, I'm here with you, B, but I'm on some other stuff. I got like eight passports up under here or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, and so you came to fix what's broken. That's what God has called us into. He's redeemed us, and he's calling us to redeem what's broken as well. All right, so verse 15 says this right here. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Debauchery is excessive indulgence in, in, sensual, in sensual pleasures. But be filled with the Spirit, right? So to bring that back to you, what he's saying there is capitalize on the moments that most people throw away, right? Don't, don't, don't be unwise, be wise, right? 
He's saying, wake up every day like, yo, God, we got a mission. We have a mission, right? We have a mission. Like, man, I get to redeem that moment. I'm laying down to get a tattoo, but in this very moment, it's not falling to the wayside. I get to speak to this girl about Jesus Christ, right? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? The other, the, other, the other story from the other day, I'm telling you, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the bar. I get to talk to just the wildest group of people ever, right, about Jesus Christ, an amazing conversation. Then I get to talk to a girl who is like mom has just killed her with religion, and she's screaming and cursing at me, but she's like, thank you so much for talking to me. Can we talk about Jesus again? Like, we get to redeem the time. Like, we, everywhere we're at, God is like, yo, let's capitalize on it. Like, you are not, like, I don't care if you're in a bar. I don't care if you're in a church. I don't care if you're in a grocery store. I don't care if you're in the hood. I don't care if you're in the suburbs, whatever. Like, God is like, yo, let's get it in. Right? That's what, that's, that's what he's saying here, right? Making the best use of, use of time because the days are evil. Like, it's like, yo, remember, people are dying and losing their soul. Right, for eternity. So don't play around. This is not a joke. This is the real reality. Don't get swept away in the carnal game of just like happy-go-lucky or whatever, this and that. And when he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, when he's talking about excessive indulgence, he's saying like, don't hide from the day by overdosing in yourself. Like time is of the essence. Time is precious. And souls are at stake. The harvest is plenty. So do not find yourself like, you know, Man, I got money. I can sit on trips all day long. I'm just giving you an example or whatever. I got eight kids, so I have no money. Anyway, so, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you have paper to blow, you can spend your time entertaining yourself to no end, right? You can, get, you can get to a point. Everybody needs a vacation. I need one. But you can get to where you're on too many vacations, right? And in light of the mission that there is, that God has called us to, God is saying, like, yo, do not get lost in yourself and debauchery and overdosing and just pleasing yourself, right? But I'm asking you, well, let me keep on reading. Let me finish this, right? He's saying look life in, look life in the face, right? He's saying look it in the face and realize that the cross is, a, is, a, is an effective weapon to bring change. The stuff that we look at in the world that is hurtful to us and people starving and everything and broken families and all these things we see, there's hope in Jesus Christ. So it's like, let's get to work. Like, this is the fix, right? In verse 19, I'm going to wrap up with this. It says, addressing one another in Psalms. Phil, y'all can go ahead and come on up, buddy. I'm going to pray in a second. Verse 19 says, addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And I just want to point to, he says, making melody with your heart. Like I told you earlier, this is about something that springs up out of the depths of your heart. The enemy wants to just let this be at a mind level where you read these things and you just get scared. And then in your flesh, you start trying to wonder how to contend and fix and work it, right? But if this is jabbing you right now, the place where you start is you start in your heart. And you start by coming before the Lord and you walk into the light like you you like he, you have full. He's saying, like, come in. Right. He's saying, like, come into my presence with it. You know, like that's the beautiful thing about it is that like, man, when I trip up and I slip up and everything else or whatever, like I don't have to go hide out and go throw on some fig leaves. Right. 
I don't have to go throw in the fig leaves and try to cover up my shame myself. I can run into the presence of God and be like, yo, Lord, your son, scumbag Jackson's over here, dirtbag of the year. God, I'm messed up again. I can go hide with this, but I'm like, you said I could come in your presence with it. What are... And he's saying, like, son, yo, you, you clean. Lay it before me. That's the process. This is what this is about. It's not just to arrest you for your sin. It's about pushing you back into the Father's arms, right? It's about pushing you back into the Father's arms. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, is basically about building and not destroying. Um, you know, when you read this scripture, you know, if you were here last week, I want you to pair what we're talking about up with what we talked about last week because it's very much about the culture and the community of what we are as a church and as a body, right? So when it, when it points on this idea of submitting to each other, it, it's, it's actually painting this picture that the stuff you do, the sins that easily beset you, it has an effect on everybody in the room. Because as we're a body, right, like, like last week we talked about, like it's saying like, yo, don't, don't let the enemy steal time from you, right? It's, an, it's expensive in ways that you can't even imagine when you let sin beset you or when you, the devil comes in with shame and all of these tricks and all these games he, he, he does. And so I'm, I'm just trying to articulate it in a way that you'll get it. But... Um, so sometimes I'll go talk to somebody and I'll be like, yo, I haven't seen you in a minute. Where you been at? And they're like, man, I've just been struggling through some stuff, this and that and everything else. And so my response is, of course, is to help them and encourage them and stuff, right? And I, and, but on the inside of me, sometimes I'm going, dad, man, you don't realize how much I actually needed you while you were gone. Because I, I was falling to pieces and, and you're my guy call. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm like, man, we get strength off of each other. Sometimes I'm so weak, but my wife is like, I'm like, babe, you know, I'm falling to pieces over here. And she holds me up. And vice versa, we hold, we hold each other up. Happens all the time from a leadership level. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we come in like, yo, man, I got to tell y'all something, this and that. Da, da. And we come around each other, right? But it makes us really realize, like, yo, when... When, if the devil can get us away in condemnation, he's actually loosening up and weakening a whole lot of things that God is doing in the room. Do you understand that? So I just want, you, I want to leave you with this idea that you're a part of something that's way bigger than you, right? It's way bigger than you. It's way bigger than you, and then at the same time, it's all about you because that cross was about you particularly. But, like, we're supposed to be linked brothers and sisters and a family in the church and the body, and the devil hates that, and he's looking to destroy that or whatever, right? So the way that we actually contend and we wage warfare is that we actually esteem others higher than ourselves. And that's what he's saying. We follow the example of Christ. Like, we have a lot of privileges that we could stand on and say, hey, this is my right. But as believers, we actually are laying down our rights all the time to esteem others higher than ourselves, Right? It's like, yo, man, you disrespected me. Yeah, you did, but I'm not going to give you a pass because we're trying to get somewhere. We're not trying to destroy. We're trying to build. Does that make sense? All right.
That's my sermon for today. Let me pray this out of you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word, your Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would, um, Father, uh, give us clarity, Father, Lord, as, as we may be in the room and we're working through some stuff. We're working through um, the enemy trying to push condemnation on us and shame on us, Father. Um, Lord, you, you are a good Father. You're holy and you're perfect. And, and your will is, is, is flawless. And um, I pray, Father, Lord, that we can find that through your son, Jesus, and the truth in that through that, but not be arrested by the idea of he's perfect, so we need to be good. But I pray that we be able to feel that and taste that from a heart level as we look into your son, Jesus, and your heart is revealed through what you did on the cross, Father, Lord. Um, every shameful deed that is listed in the scriptures we talked about today, we are all guilty of, Father Lord. We all in some way have committed those atrocities, whether it just be fornication or whatever it is, or just covetousness, Father Lord, being about ourselves and, and being about, you know, idolatry. Talking about our brothers and sisters, Father Lord, corrupt communications, corrupt talk, slandering people, Father Lord. Um, so in that sense, we've worked on the side of death. But Father Lord, by your son, Jesus Christ, you have washed away our shame. And you're calling us to walk in as saints, walking in this royal priesthood, Father Lord, that we only have because of grace. We only have because of the sacrifice of your son, Father Lord. And um, I just pray, Father Lord, that we could be um, completely arrested and um, overwhelmed in the beauty of the cross and what that means for us, Father. Lord, I just want to come and just confess my sins before you, Father Lord. Um, just there's distortions on so many levels. And, uh, and as I bring it into the light before you, Father Lord, all I... All I do is find you as a loving father with your arms open. And, uh, and that just breaks me even more. And, uh, and Lord, I, I want to follow your rules. I want to follow out of, out of worship to you, Father Lord. I want to I glorify you in that. I want to be a part of what you're doing because it's the most amazing thing ever, Lord. But I pray that you would just forgive me for my selfishness and my meanness and, and, and everything, Father Lord. And I just pray, Father Lord, that your spirit would come down in the, and begin to move in this room and touch people, Father Lord, that if anybody just needs to repent, that they would boldly come before the throne because you said we can boldly come in with a backpack full of junk, secrets, lies, all of that, and throw them in the light and you'll deal with it. You've already dealt with it through your son, Jesus. So... Um, we love you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.